0: Welcome to So You Want to Be a Real Estate Agent. If you are trying to evaluate whether real estate is the right career for you, wondering whether you're doing the right things to launch into quick success, or looking for tips and tools you can use today to become a more productive agent, this is your podcast. Welcome to episode 12 of So You Want to Be a Real Estate Agent. I'm Meredith Fogel, along with my co-host, Valerie Harnois. Thank you so much for listening once again, and as a reminder, please keep the ratings coming, and we have a special ask for you guys this week, which is to please leave a very brief or long, if you want to, review. Just a few words or a sentence would be really helpful along with your rating so we can get a sense of what we're doing well and what we can improve on. So let's start with a review of episode 11, which was part three of our goal setting series, where we really broke down your goals. We shared a goal-setting worksheet that you can start using today. And if you go to our website at therealestaterainmakers.com, you can get direct access to that worksheet. That worksheet and an entire workbook, which I just finished designing, and similar tools will be available in the book, Farming for Real Estate Agents, and also on our website. So today we're totally shifting gears. And we are gonna be talking about whether you, as an agent, are likely to be a better buyer's agent or a better listing agent. And we're going to talk about, too, what you might prefer. Some people have strong preferences to work right. with buyers or sellers. And this is going to be a little bit of a battle of the agents because you've got <laughs> one agent, yours truly, who prefers to list, and the other agent, Valerie, who prefers to work with buyers, right? right. yeah. So we're going to talk about what we like best about both types of agency, why we chose to concentrate on the types of agency that we do, and whether it's possible to do both. So we normally start with a quote, but this time we're going to start with a saying that we hear all the time in real estate, which is, you have to
1: list to last. Valerie, do you think that's true? I think it's easier and later that, how many people can you drive around for buyers? But if you have the listings, you're doing all the work, then they're just sitting there basically until it gets sold. So, yes, from that standpoint, yes. Yeah, I think that's true. The, you can probably
0: handle more transactions of listings than right. you can handle buyers at a given time. Right. And I was thinking a lot about whether some agents naturally fall into working more with buyers or sellers. Do you think that there are agents who fall kind of naturally just because of their personalities and their preferences into working
1: with one or the other? I think so. Um, I've always said, it's funny because I always feel, and I know you disagree, I think, (laughs) that I feel the buyer has the upper hand because I always feel like, hey, these people are committed. They've put a sign. They staged their house. They gave us a price. We don't have to move. Some of my buyers have to move. Then that's different. But if we have really that luxury of saying we can buy your house or we can just walk away, I feel the person that can walk away has the power in the in the transaction, in the negotiations.
0: Interesting. Right. And so as a listing agent, I think you're right. I would I would disagree. And the reason is that I feel the seller, especially now in this very seller favorite right. market, that's true. We have buyers coming to us who are so desperate and they fall in love emotionally with the house. And then the seller, in my mind, has the leverage. But that shows that right there's a there's a, a common right. ground and that's what we as agents strive to find to bring a meeting of the minds together and create a successful transaction. So let's talk a little bit about the major differences between each types of agency. And I'll share my thoughts, but first I wanted to ask Valerie what you think is unique about working with buyers. So talk to us about what's what's unique and like
1: what makes a stellar buyer's agent, would you say? So I would say as a new agent, you're most likely to be a buyer's agent just to get in any market. Mm-hmm. What I did is I was with you, so you had leads that you maybe didn't have the time for or you were doing other listings, so I would do that. So I do have, I think, the personality for more of a buyer's agent. I kind of like to lead my people, kind of teach my people, manage the craziness, the insanity, kind of, I think that's the trick of the whole thing. You really need to take people, they could be a professional or they could be a first time home buyer. You have to assess how you can take control of the transaction. It's weird because real estate is such an easy field to get into. I feel sometimes we don't get a lot of respect of, oh, my God, you just got your license. You paid $70 and get your license, which I find insulting, really. But I love when I've had my first-time homebuyers, they're always on. They're like like feeding right from my hands. I love it. I'm teaching them all the time. Even things that we do all the time, I point it out so they know what's going on, what's coming up next. I even tell them what they... Listing agent's going to tell us back before because from doing it enough, you just know. And then I love, like, I had the COO from a huge company here. And he's bright, brilliant. The house was a million dollars. And he was like, this is your field. You tell me what to do. I was like, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Because then they surrender. I have a lot of people that, because they're either attorneys, this or that, they feel like they know it. And because you're an engineer, doesn't mean you know how to purchase real estate. It's like a different, it's a combo of, courting the agent, making the numbers work, mm-hmm. you know. So I think you have to, and I think we've talked about this that when you have that interview or that first, it's almost like a love connection. Like if you don't connect, don't try. It's like trying to put a square into a circle. You're going to be miserable. They're going to hate it. The other people, they you did a horrible job when I mean, it shouldn't even have begun.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that right before we started doing this podcast we talked about was bonding with uh, the other people. And so we were talking about the differences in styles and you said, well, I tend to bond, you know, I tend to like stop in and check how everybody's doing. And I think what can be an emotional transaction for people, I think especially buyers is really helped by somebody who has that personality who can really bond. So little story to share again, right before as Valerie was coming in, she found out that she had made an offer on something that her people were outbid by a cash uh, purchaser. And that's so hard, right? Especially when you bonded with somebody. And I saw the look on your face. I know, But you picked up that phone and she she went to the conference room, made a call. I could hear most of it. And I was not eavesdropping, by the way.
1: (laughs) No, I felt really loud. So it's fine.
0: (laughs) And so she came out and I was like, I wish I could write down what you just said because it was like the perfect example of how to deliver news that's bad news. Yeah, but in a really constructive, optimistic way. And you said, I'm going to go back and here's what I'm going to do. Like, you're like, I'm going to take you by the hand. I'm going to take you to the next one. I'm going to see what else is out there. So I think that takes a, a particular personality And you didn't let yourself, I'm sure for a minute you were
1: like, that sucks, but you didn't let yourself absorb it. Well, it's almost like you're their cheerleader. Like you always have, because we are going to get problems. Well, that's our job, solving problems all the time. So if every time there's a problem, you're like, oh my God, this is horrible. It's more like, okay, we have a problem, but this is how we're solving it. Just like when we're at a home inspection, it's like, oh, here's rotted wood. I'm like, okay, the house is 20 years old. You're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. We're going to find that in any house. So it's always like managing. But you know, a funny story was, I remember, I don't know who said it, but being at open houses, somebody was saying, we were in there and she's like, the next person I walks in is my client. And I was like, oh, well, I remember this. that doesn't work because that's like saying the next person I walks in, I'm going to marry the next person that walks in. <laughs> I'm like, that's crazy because I told her, I'm like, I don't care. We're gonna bond and that person's gonna gravitate to you or me. Yeah. So if two come to you, I'm totally fine. I can't wedge myself into those people that honestly bonded with you over something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's weird. You almost have to, yeah, kind of feel it out and see, but Right. I think that's
0: that's true yeah I mean you pointed out so many things there's there's a lot there managing and being a cheerleader for people and bonding with people managing expectations is my favorite one that's huge so speaking of that what do you think is the most challenging if you had to say one or two things about working with buyers I would
1: say what I just said of the buyers that know everything (laughs) (laughs) maybe I am like one of these proud Puerto Rican people but I'm insulted when people you know what I mean like I'm I don't know. But yes, that makes it, I think, really difficult. And um, I don't know. And the buyers, I find it so, to me, it's so natural that I I love the process. So I would say that's the only thing that's a big hurdle for me. And most of those people, I do not end up working with. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I could be using that energy to get three more people that have bonded Mm -hmm. with me as opposed to the anxiety of trying to please someone I cannot good point and actually I think it gives you a little respect like from them like when I'm like you know what it's a very intense close transaction and you need someone that you know kind of goes with your style and that's not me wow good again I cannot marry everyone right Right. and I'm sitting here thinking like okay you have
0: the luxury of Making those choices, but I I wouldn't even characterize it that way. It's like a luxury because, right, I'm
1: wasting that time.
0: Yes. And for the new agents listening who are going, wow, she has so much business. She can say no no to things. That's not, it's kind of almost the other way around. And you spend
1: so much energy on the problem people. Yeah. And then you become, I feel when you're like right now, I'm doing great transactions. So I'm almost like attracting people Mm. because they see me busy. I'm happy. I'm doing it, you know, proactive. If I'm in a horrible transaction, I don't look like you want to be around me because I'm like, oh my God, they're gonna call, or you know, or I have to call them. So for just karma, it's not worth it, yeah. honestly. And it's not, and it, it's been times when no, I don't have anything else, but but I did have someone that she was going through a horrible divorce, and she was horrible to me. But I did think for karma, I'm like, you know what? No one else will help this lady. Aww. So I literally toughed it out with her and did it for. Okay, uh, this is going to be my good deed in the world. <laughs> Guess what? Three years later, the phone rings, Caller IDs, her name. I was like, no! <laughs> <laughs> and what happened? I helped her, yeah. <laughs> she thought <laughs> I liked her. That oh, was part God. of her laughing at you. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but you know what's funny? Like, literally, I was like, I was almost like her divorce lawyer, like, not lawyer, like, support. Right. So I had to hear what she, I think what she wanted to tell her husband, she was telling me that anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I learned to ignore it. I learned to say it's not personal, but honestly, I did it for good karma because I thought no other agent in Montgomery County is going to help her. (laughs) They would kill her. Yeah, it was hysterical. Well, it worked because
0: you're doing great. So clearly karma smiled upon you after after
1: it laughed at you. Yeah, Yeah, that's
0: funny. Um, And what would you say is most rewarding about working with buyers?
1: Um, when they get the house, I mean, I love it. I mean, even though it's funny when we're at the settlement attorney and they're crying and hugging and I'm like, oh my gosh, they don't even know what's coming because home ownership is so (laughs) like the furnace, water, all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, when they actually Because it's a, I mean, I always have to remind people because it's funny. I always say there's no stupid questions. I always go, there's funny questions. (laughs) And I always say, if I write a book, I'll change your name. But but answering all those questions because they can be like, we had that little young couple engineer and she was a dental hygienist and they were know. I'm like, you can ask me anything. I said, if I know it, I know it. If not, I find out. If it's a crazy question, I'll tell you, oh, my God, don't worry about that. That's crazy. That's not <laughs> part of our transaction, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of nice because I always remind everyone, even theirs was like 300000 or something. I'm like, I always put it in the million category. Mm-hmm. So I always go, you're spending over a quarter of a million. Because in their mind, they're like, oh, sorry, I'm not a million dollar customer i'm like are you crazy this is hundreds of thousands of dollars so what i love is that literally and i might be crazier than most all my people are all my friends like I uh, they all bring me food gifts i Aww. i you call really bond yes yeah. i that's why i think i'm pickier because yeah. it's almost like yeah. People that are going to be my friends forever, or you know, mm-hmm. that makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah, so that I found rewarding. If I was, yeah, with people that I never were in touch with again, it would be kind of like just a transaction. Right. And right. I guess for my own personal, I love it to be more of a, oh, okay, now we've met and now you have kids, a bigger house kind of thing, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think a good sense of humor too is one of the things that gets you. A lot of your uh, response that you get and keeps yes. you going and
1: keeps your people going. And you know what's really funny? Um, I was reading all my Zillow reviews because I just sent like a ton of them and they came back. Everybody says I'm funny. You are funny. Which is so funny because my husband Donald says I'm not funny. Like, he does? Well, he thinks that I think I'm funnier than I am. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I am super funny, right? Reading all my so, reviews. So my reviews, everybody's like, Valerie has a great sense of humor, which I honestly think... Even in, like, funerals, like, you know what I mean? Like, I like to diffuse the moment. Even my own parents' funeral. Like, all I wanted to think of was funny, yeah. warm moments. I suppose. And this is, like, crazy transactions. So I'm always, like, yeah. delivering it with that edge of humor where yeah. people almost self-deprecating, like, we're not crying over a window, please. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to put it in perspective, yes, you know? Yes.
0: Yeah, that's but okay, they did anything. all say
1: that, which is hysterical. So I'm like, I am funny. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. So I was happy. Yeah. That is funny. All right. So now we're going to pivot and talk about what is unique about working with listings, which is what I mostly do. So one of the differences, I think, is obtaining listings is generally much more competitive. Yes. Buyers tend to, as Valerie said, bond, gravitate, whatever, be referred, I think, more listings are more like an interview almost every single time although the more the longer you do this right. the more referrals and the more people asking just for you will you know become prevalent but especially at the beginning you're going to be on a lot of competitive listing situations and even for somebody who's a geographic farmer like myself you have a couple of people who are known as the geographic specialists so you're going to be both or all possibly invited in So it's difficult um, to, you know, go on an interview every single day almost, but you get really good at it if you're a real estate agent who mostly lists. And one of the things that you're going to need to do is develop a really comprehensive listing presentation. And I think that's a difference too, right? So for buyers, they're super happy if you give them anything almost, because most people don't even give them anything. But the listing presentation needs to be something that is really fleshed out and full of good information for the seller. And also establishes your expertise and answers most of the seller's questions. It also requires really intimate market expertise to assist with strategic pricing because pricing is such a large part of what we do as listing agents and then having that kind of like gut feel. So often we'll go into a house that's the same model as three other houses that have recently sold, but one was more upgraded, one had a better lot, one had a better location, And having been in all those other recently sold homes and truly understanding the market and the drivers for buyers as to how they perceive value is what then you infuse just the numerical study with the competitive market analysis results with to come up with pricing. So that's a little bit of a difference with the listing. And it requires mastering a lot of different types of marketing. So there's staging, which is partially what Valerie does photos print marketing online marketing use of social media using word of mouth marketing wisely using all your networking and your uh, agent connection so all of those things you're going to be bringing into play as well. Like working with buyers it also requires managing expectations and constant communication so the sellers even though you know you are not driving them around in the car all the time, you are going to be talking to them all the time, so it's an anxiety-producing period of time, yes. especially that marketing period with a seller where they're wondering what are they, what are people saying about my house? How many people are looking at my house. Do we have any offers coming in? What are you doing to get an offer? So you have to be very proactive in your communication and really, really um, proficient at. Communicating with a variety of different personality types—some who really like data, some who just want to be told what's going on—and then you get the occasional seller who's like, "Just handle it for me." Right. So you've got to be good at dealing with
1: all. I this feel as well. these sellers are so much more aware of. That you're selling them a product or a system or something like that, as opposed to buyers. True. Like, buyers just think we're doing the house. And then, you know what I mean? We're doing a lot. That's why I always point out everything I'm doing so they know it's just not driving them around. Yes. But I think from the seller standpoint, I've told you this before, that I feel they're like, they know the 5%. They're... So they're like, what are you doing? What am I paying for? And then when they see you, like, I always feel even awkward when I'm like, oh, do I see them in the middle of the day? And they're like, why aren't you selling my house or printing, which I'm sure they're not thinking it, but I'm thinking it, like, oh my gosh, like, you know?
0: Yeah. So I mean, that's I mean, a different, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it totally is. And like you said, to your point, they are perceiving this money is coming from yes, us exactly. for your commission. Whereas buyers are like, oh, your services are free. You're free to me. Exactly. Right. So it's a very different perspective. You're exactly right. What I would say is most rewarding about working with sellers is that they are extremely grateful when you exceed their expectations. So I think when they realize who they got... And that the expertise is there and that, you know, all of the things that they were told about you are true and more. It feels so good to get them to that finish line. Same kind of thing at the settlement table. Right. They're so happy. And because people sell for a variety of reasons, most of the time you're helping them through a very
1: um, happy
0: transaction. Right. But sometimes you're helping them through a very difficult life situation.
1: And that's really rewarding too, actually. And it's funny because they might, and I've heard your stories or I've had some myself where... They have had, had difficult times during the transaction, but then once they've gotten to the, like, finish, they almost know that they were difficult. <laughs> and then they were like, thank you so much. Yes. That's behind us. And then, yes. like, we had one where we had the sale part, and that was harder. And then I took over the buying side, and yes. that became easier. Right. Because you had handled this part, right. but I think you kind of handled more in the... Yeah. More difficult part, yeah. exactly, and yeah. I was able to say, yay, I get the move on kind of cheerleader yeah. that, so it's, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's that speaks to what is most challenging, I think, is when you have either a seller who's going through something difficult themselves, right. and the same thing, you know, with your buyer story, where they're sort of taking it out on you, inventing to you sometimes. Right. That can be, that can be very difficult. Um, or when you're in the middle of a market shift, right? I mean, that makes a big difference, too, so sometimes that seasonal Back in the 2007, when we shifted to 2008, man, that was a tough one. When you had sellers who were having to sell out of need and losing their houses, that's really, really hard. But again, sometimes those can be the most rewarding as well. Can an agent manage more listings or more buyers at once? I think we kind of answered that question. So you think more listings at once is- Oh, definitely. I agree, I agree. And I think the other thing we kind of identified here is, there are a lot of similarities between both, right? So both types of agents have to have really good market knowledge and give the client the inside edge. Right. So I think especially now, we're seeing that almost almost more because we're doing so much matchmaking, right? Like you've got buyers who are looking for something very specific. So, for example, that buyer that Valerie just found out got outbid by the cash buyer, the first thing she did was to message one of our coworkers who she knows has something coming on that's not on the market yet right. that might work for the buyer. So that's where... Having that really good agent
1: network, and that's something that everybody listening should work so hard to develop, is right. so important. And you know, like people say that, like this last person I met at an open house, she's like, I want you because I know you know what's coming up. Like, they don't want to miss out. Yes. Especially in this market. Yes. A buyer from outside our neighborhood may never know about a listing here. Yes. If exactly. it wasn't because we all kind of talk to each other. You right.
0: Know? And yet, as a listing
1: agent, it's the same thing. So, we
0: are bringing yeah. to our sellers, buyers, who might not have right. ever have known about the property and hopefully multiple buyers in a market like this. Right. So we're getting their price as strong as we possibly can. Uh, and excellent relationships and communication with other agents. So important too. And that's kind of what we were just talking about. But one of the things that can be really tough is kind of doing the, the other agents job for them. Right. And we were discussing before, I know. And we feel like both types of agents have to jump in and do that from time to time. And I originally said, well, I think listing agents have to do the buyer's agent job.
1: More often,
0: but I think you, guys right. Disagree, and right? You,
1: you have always said, yeah. like, I've always heard you say like, oh, this contract wasn't clean. She's going to be a disaster or something. <laughs> so literally when I do my, my contracts now, I try to exactly, because it's like your first introduction to that person. If yes. you didn't know them already. Right. But I always tell people it's like we're courting each other. So, because we both kind of are filtering the insanity on either side and we want to get to the same place. Yeah. So it's very interesting. So even if I find a mistake, it's not like I want to be like, oh, you forgot part 2B or something. Right. I'll be like, hey, do you want me to fill it out for you? Or do you want to have it filled out? Mm-hmm. Or Because at the end of the day, I always tell my people, we want to save the super kind of annoying language yeah. for when we need it. Right. So in between, I'm like, oh, okay, oh, you might have forgotten to put the ta-. Like the last one I did yesterday, they didn't put the tax or the mm-hmm. plat. And I'm like, you know what? I printed it. I put it with disclosures. Now he has it because yes. I gave it. I didn't even mention it because oh. I wanted it to be, I, I didn't want him to be like, oh my God, I got one of those people that are going to micromanage me. Right. So, right. Yeah. But on
0: the listing side, sometimes you do have to do that. And I think when one of the things I look at when, when, Valerie said clean contract for people who don't know, that's where like initials are missing. If it's not right. a good contract where, you know, all the information isn't filled in properly, buyers mm-hmm. names aren't filled in, dates aren't filled in, that kind of thing. Um, housekeeping stuff, but it does indicate that the person might not be all that detail oriented and the buyer's agent has to have really good attention to detail. So I know, you know, this is mostly a buyer's agent. There are so many moving parts, timelines, deadlines that can't be missed, tasks that have to be done, a lender and a title company to keep on top of most of which the buyer's agent needs to do. So if I'm on the listing side and I get the sense that I've got a buyer's agent who is probably not checking in with the lender, not sending the right. stuff to the title company, then I have to step in and do it to protect my seller and to right. make sure the
1: transaction makes it to the settlement table. So And that may be a new agent because like you have, you gave it to me, so I can't beat them. But all those systems, we have it on the listing side yep. and on the... yep other side where yeah you have to have a checklist of all your stuff yeah sure yeah
0: I think there are new agents who have that issue and they they wing are, if I, I, don't I don't know, know how you can wing
1: it I've woken up in the middle of the night like oh, when is my finance <laughs> contingency expired even though I have it I put it on my phone and Yes. but there's so many really important dates that yes. how do you go back to your buyer and say, I missed it oh, when they're God. trusting You it? can't, you you can't. can't. Oh, but there God. are
0: experienced agents that I will tell you are just know. as bad. And they somehow by the skin of their teeth continue to do business. I don't know that's how, right. um, and then having really good leadership skills. So I think that's so important too. And Valerie, you have spoken to this a lot is that people want to be led in these transactions. They're hiring right. you because they already have a job. They want us to do this right. job for them. And they really do need to know what the next steps are and how to be led, you know, through the transaction. And that's what we do is we step in and we orchestrate
1: all of that. So I think at the end of the day, honestly, it's like communicate, communicate, communicate. Like if I'm sending something to the, I'm like, okay, I'm giving them your earnest money check. Did you change it? It's almost like even if you have to state the obvious. Mm -hmm. I think at the same time, you're showing how much you're doing. I remember I had one way back. This was one of my, remember Jill and Jody? Yeah. I did the transaction and then I go, okay, I sent it to the lender. I sent it to this. I set up the home inspection. I set up radon. blah, blah, blah. I mean, things that I would have done in two seconds. and But I sent them a list and she goes, uh, really, can, can you do a little more? Like she was laughing. <laughs> but it was the first time that I was like, oh, finally, they know that it is a lot that we do. So yeah. I do it with all my clients. Anything I do, I'm like okay, this is what we're doing. This is what's going to happen. We're going to wait for the response back. i set up the home inspection, whatever it is. Good. Good. See, that's it also great. makes them right, see that value. Of, yes. you know.
0: Yes, absolutely. And that is important to, yeah. for them to know. And also to know they're not, you know, you're doing what they thought they might need to do sometimes. So that's helpful. Now, what about negotiating skills? How important do you think that is? Is that equally important between buyer's agent and listing
1: agent? um i have to say i think it's kind of the same thing i was saying about courting the other agent and what our strategy is Mm -hmm. like i always in a regular market i'm like okay this person wants they're looking it's so funny i see whatever price you have i'm like okay they probably are 98 of what's there everybody i always say what best transaction is where no one's happy because that means everyone compromised right Mm -hmm. So I always go, okay, let's go a little lower, not low enough to insult them because that's a whole other psyche of, oh, forget it. We're not going to even send it back, mm-hmm. which then it's your job to talk them out of the ledge of, oh my God, engage anybody that sits down for two hours to write a contract, right? So then it comes back and we're, we can, so it's, yeah, no, it's, I love the negotiating part. I'm not super over aggressive. I'm more like letting them take sneaky kind of way I get to exactly the number we want Mm. I have to say nine out of ten times
0: wow that's
1: good just by being a little lower and then sometimes we go way low if we can and then come back and meet them in the middle or sometimes I know we can't afford more and I say sorry we can only go up two thousand more Mm. and we've had people go we have to walk away that's what I love to tell my people I'm like if you can go to sleep we don't get it I'm good fighting for whatever you want, but don't come back tomorrow for two thousand dollars and be bitter that we didn't get it. So I'm like, and that I always explain my objective, subjective part, mm. where I make my little line chart oh, with yeah. the prices. Yeah, I love that. And I go, okay, this house is anything from eight twenty to eight sixty. It doesn't matter. It's whatever. That's this bricks and sticks, like we call it, the actual wow. house. But are you coming from California and you need it by next month? Then. Do 860. If you're sitting in Lakelands and you don't care, you're in your townhome, do the lower and see. You might get it, you may not. Yeah, there's a difference between price and value. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's the subjective part, which yeah. is the emotional part of if you need it, you go higher. If you don't need it, you take your chances and go yeah. lower. Yeah. And but that putting it on them is so satisfying because I'm like, I'm telling you how you can get it tomorrow yeah. this way. Or if you'd rather see if you can get a deal, then we can go this way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but I, I always say,
1: say, if you can go to sleep and you have no regrets, we're good. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to regret it, then, you know, that's not the, you know, the yeah. offer we need.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I think it's, you know, negotiating almost with your clients a little bit in that sense, right? You're right. Educating and negotiating with them. And yeah. then negotiating with the other agent is also part of that whole psychology. And I think that's where really good negotiators, I agree with you, you find a middle ground, you compromise somewhere most right. of the time. People feel, each party feels that they've given something up. That's right. a good negotiation. Because I
1: always tell people as a joke, I said, if they're doing cartwheels, if you're doing cartwheels, that means we paid too much. Yeah. If we, And the other way around, you know, if you're super happy, that means they didn't get as much as they wanted. Yeah. So in the middle means that, hey, I didn't get as much as I wanted and I didn't get it for a deal like I wanted. So, mm-hmm. which is probably exactly where it needed to be. Yes. But I have to tell you, I had one of my first transactions was on Little Quarry. And it was cash, really good. And the agent, which, you know, and I won't name, she was like, this is a horrible offer. I can't believe it. And I literally, I was pretty new, but I said, okay, why don't you just show it to your people and let me know? Guess what? Their people took it because bird in hand, suddenly they're like 800,000 in cash. So she was the one ruining it for them because honestly, we were not, it wasn't like a low ball insulting offer. It was really good and cash. So it was so funny because at that time I could have gotten in a fight with her and that wasn't going to get me anywhere. I said, okay, well just pass it along and let me know what they say. Like, okay, if they think it's horrible, let me know. She she was so mad. They took
0: it, which makes me laugh. I think that, you know, part of what you, you point out there is sometimes excellent negotiating is figuring out the psychology of the other agent. And sometimes it can be Adversarial, which usually doesn't work out. But most of the time, if we can work together, it's almost like for a right. The agents are in the same everybody, team, which is the, the transaction. transaction. That's how it should be. Helping both people meet their goals, which is one wants to buy, one wants to sell. Let's find a meeting of yes. the minds and being creative, because negotiation isn't only about the price. There are lots right. of other things we'll talk about another time that go into
1: what creates a transaction that is acceptable to both parties. Right. And I've had these agents that are like, not in a bad way, but they give you hints of, Hey, this may work better than this. Or yeah, not even giving away any money for their people. It's just like, Oh, okay. Then I can, you know, do a quicker settlement and do this. So it's, absolutely, I feel the best. Yeah.
0: And I've had agents who also say to me, you know, this is coming from me. I haven't discussed this with right. my client, but I wonder if we tried this, if it would work. Right. And then I'll say, well, you know, suggest it, or they'll say, you know, suggest it to your people And I'll go back and they'll go, yeah, that's a good idea. So being, again, creative and collaborative in the approach tends to be so much better. And always
1: with the buyers, I'm always like, well, put it in writing. And you know how many people have me call, ask the listing agent if they'll take 840. I'm like, okay, we're going to look so much more serious if we write it. And then they can counter or they can, you know. Not only that,
0: but when someone says that to me, I'm like, the 840 (laughs) is just one term. I need to see all the rest of it. There's lots of other things. So the last thing we're going to talk about today is how do buyers become sellers and how do sellers become buyers? So Valerie, let's talk about buyers
1: becoming sellers since you mostly work with buyers. Yeah. In my, again, because I adopt my people, I really never, any listing I've ever done, I've never interviewed for. Mm. It's always someone that knew me and they're like, hey, I'm ready for a bigger house. or I'm, And I do kind of hint, like I kind of tease them a little bit, like, Hey, I saw this house. Made me think of you guys. When I know they're getting, you know, either more kids or they're downsizing or something like that. So the buyers so are just subtle.
0: becoming your sellers. You are exactly, exactly. and I exactly. think that's really
1: the the like golden you know nugget to
0: take right. out of this is that's proactivity on your part. That's staying in touch with them, staying in front of them, yes, for sure, cognizant enough about who they are and what their life changes might lead to. That right.
1: might you know have them, and they may not house. even know. Like even now with this market, I'm like. You would be crazy. I always go rent that townhome and move to a house. At 2%, they're giving the money away. I know exactly who you're talking about. But they, again, like professionals. Like, I know one specific couple professionals. And they are like, really? Is that a good move? I'm like, oh, my gosh.
0: And then how do sellers become buyers? So I'll speak to this one. So... Sellers often become buyers either because they are they worked with you before, and times. sort of the same thing where you know you, they, you sort of adopted them. The other little trick I will tell people is buyers who move into your geographic farm area, and I cover this in my book. Oh, plans, that's true. That wearing
1: true. your clients,
0: yes, right. If you're the person that bonds with them, that sees them in the neighborhood, that's getting your direct mail pieces, that's seeing your market updates and seeing your success, they're going to call you when it comes time to sell. But here is another piece of hopefully golden wisdom for everybody listening out there is do everything you can when you are in that listing appointment to do what they call double ending the deal, which means ask the question, where are you going? So many listing agents don't bother to ask. And then the seller thinks, oh, I didn't think you could help me buy. Or I didn't think you could refer me to somebody in another state. And then they miss the opportunity for that
1: seller to also be a buyer and to help them through the whole transaction. So never miss asking that. Well, you're right, because they they don't really understand agency, so they might not think you can sell. Yeah. Or they think, I have had so many people who go, isn't that dual agency? Right. No,
0: that's totally different. Right. You're a seller's agent, and then I'll be your buyer's agent. So ask that question. All right. So, the other exciting thing we're going to tell you is that we are going to put a quiz on Facebook and hopefully on the website too that's going to ask you, "Are you a buyer's agent or a listing agent?" So, you know what? We should take the quiz and see what happens. Oh my gosh, we should. That to would be funny. the other way. That would be hilarious. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah. But so we will put that up. So, look for that, check out our Facebook page and check out our website at The Real Estate Rainmakers to find that quiz. As always, thank you for listening. If you'd like to connect with us for your very own personalized goal setting session, we would love that. And if you'd like to talk to us about whether you would be a better buyer's agent or a listing agent or share with us the results of the quiz, we'll see it, but we'd love for you to talk to us about it. If you have questions, connect with us, please, through our website. Again, that's therealestaterainmakers.com. And you can also find lots more information about... Whether you're a better buyer's agent or a listing agent, how to service clients, how to goal set, all of that good stuff in the book, Farming for Real Estate Agents, which will be coming out January 12th of 2021. That's weird Mm -hmm. to say. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Please leave us a review. I am Meredith Fogel, along with Valerie Hernois, and this has been So You Want to Be a Real Estate Agent. See you next time. Bye. We are so grateful you joined us today on So You Want to Be a Real Estate Agent. If you're still not sure real estate is the right career for you, tune into our next episodes. If you're more sure than ever, tune into future episodes for more tips, tools and insider secrets that will help you launch into productive action and achieve quick success. Just a reminder that we love reviews. Please let us know what you like best about this podcast, what we could do better, ask us questions or send us show ideas. Check out our show notes page for our contact info or visit our website the Real Rainmakers.com for access to the tools, tips, systems and other great resources we mentioned on the show. I'm Meredith Fogel and Valerie Hernan. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.